Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Environmental Social Justice. I'm your host, Wendy Nystrom, joined with my co-host, Joel Vendette. And we are welcoming Adriana Embus today. She is with Include Ventures. Welcome to the show, Adriana. Thank you so much for having me, Wendy and Joel. Can you guys hear me okay? Absolutely. You're coming in loud and clear. Awesome. So let me ask you, um, you currently lead all diligence and investment processes at Include Ventures. Could you explain what that is and um, what inclu um, alpha inclusion sustainability mean? Yes, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, um, you know, from a very early age, I was always in tune with um oppression and inclusion. And even if I didn't know that those words were defined that way, um, being a young woman of color in the South, I grew up in, in Southern Georgia um, in a binary, right? It was always white and black and there was no real room for this young Caribbean girl. Um, I was always aware of the reality and the fact that there weren't enough resources for underrepresented folks, whether that be women or people of color um, LGBTQ folks, like I ha I knew that reality and I didn't have the vocabulary yet, right? And so thus ensues a life journey where I've always tried to figure out how to be able to bring resources to communities that don't have them. I think that's kind of where I start. And so this brings me to Include Ventures, which is a fund of funds and direct investment vehicle specifically functioning within the venture capital space that really tries to allow for investments into those folks, right? Those groups that I kind of in, inherently understood that needed um, access to capital and, and many of those communities I'm a part, a part of. Um, so in my day-to-day, -day, I work with an insanely incredible team, all of which identify um, as underrepresented in this space. We know that only 2% of venture capitalists are women. And then if you think about intersectionality, right, if you think about Black women or um, queer women or queer men, like it's just so much less, right? And so I think um, what is best, you know, what, what happens for me on the day-to-day -day is just really being able to engage with folks uh, that are leading the way um, on, on alpha inclusion and sustainability. And to your question, Alpha is really um, generating, you know, great returns for our investors. At the end of the day, we are being invested in through our fund. Inclusion is really thinking about folks that aren't at the table yet, whether that's indigenous communities or if it's a black woman founder, whatever it is. Um, and then sustainability, right? I'm at, I've had a long history of, of working in climate, which we'll talk about. Um, and so being able to think about the ways in which um, clean energy, climate, sustainability come into um, conversation at Include Ventures um, is always uh, impactful for me. Now, one of the things real quick is um, your background is actually pretty enormous. Before you went to Include Ventures, you were at the Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator, which people, they're going to have that in the forefront of their mind because our Madam Vice President was just there. Yeah. And talking about the important work that Lacey does. And before COVID, when they did a whole bunch of, um, you know, uh, they would do lectures. And I saw um, a friend of yours, Tracy Gray, she's been on the show yeah. before. Tracy talked about um, women of color, well, women, people of color, and how they don't get most of that VC funding. They get like less than 2%. But they are also the most responsible people that will always make a profit because they take ownership of that funding. And it's, it's kind of ridiculous that 
we keep funding the same people that that don't do the right thing and and don't build out anything to be profitable so what the work you're doing is so vastly important because you're focusing on that dynamic that is actually going to have a return the statistics are there yeah yeah i mean the the, the numbers are out there right like it's it's just you know, if you think about it, a diverse team is always going to do better than a non-diverse team because you're always going to have new new experiences, new ideas um, in a way that if you put people together in a fishbowl that all come from the same experience, you're just going to run around in circles around the same thing. The same thing happens when you have an investment circle or network that is that comes from the same institutions that works at the same firms, right? I myself went to Yale and so that already puts me into a in, into an individual bucket that allows me to have access to networks that maybe somebody that went to a CS a California State University doesn't yeah. right. And it's so if we really think about it, the one of the things that often happened to me when I started running investments for the Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator was that I would have conversations with top firms, um, venture firms, especially when we were starting up the venture arm that now now exists at Lacey, which is the the acronym for Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator, which is a, a mouthful. Um, once that venture arm was established, you know, we had to go out and build up a circle of co-investors, which is what happens, you know, when you have an open round of funding as a um, person, as a, as a founder of a startup, you go out to investors and then I go to Wendy and I say, hey, my friend is is investing in so-and-so. And then Wendy goes to Joel and says, hey, my friend is investing in so-and-so. So what happens is all of the folks are in the same network and investing in the same people. It's not that the talent isn't there. It's not that the pipeline isn't there, right? It's that we aren't connecting with the folks that are, um, that are at the table that are from diverse experiences and therefore going to be leading better companies or at least more um, companies that produce more revenue for their investment investors absolutely. um yeah no absolutely joel did you i'm sorry i might have cut you off there no no no, no. i'm just i'm just i'm, I'm absorbing right now. <laughs> yeah and so that's i think where my love for sustainability started was at the los angeles clean tech incubator um because you know i think in general <laughs> there was there was a lack of understanding around what clean tech is what sustainability is especially if people obviously all of us like you know we're in this in this world if we're on environmental social justice it's because we care about this right but i think a lot of times um, people don't necessarily have access to understanding those technical aspects and components of really complicated language whether it be in policy or whether it be in new research that's coming about or whether it be in new solutions and so when we really think about how we can explain those solutions to folks that um, need to be in this conversation it just you know our conversation gets better so do you find that you're you know we're talking about you know we talked before about like nothing ever changes because people go back to the same pool like surprise surprise we never learn and grow Uh, news at 11. Um, but do you find that you're starting to get more interest from the next generation coming up and that's where you're getting a lot of input and response from especially when you're yeah big. it's actually really interesting um that's such a good question because um consumer trends whether it be on you know the aspect of hey i'm buying into a startup 
or whether it be, hey, I'm actually acquiring 500 million from, um, you know, my previous, you know, late grandfather, late father, whatever. Um, and I now have this 500 million to invest. So both on the startup side and the investor side, which is happening, it's like something like $7 trillion is being passed down from boomers to Gen X's and, and millennials within the next like 20 years, which is going to be ridiculous for, for investing, right? Um, because then it, it shifts the conversation to, hey, this wealth was held by a few certain people that didn't have access to this network. And now it's held by folks that still aren't in the same network, let's be real, but yeah. at least are in a social position to say, I actually care about the environment or I actually care about all you know the shootings that are going on of young black men. Like let's let's change the conversation, right? And so what I find to your point is that even um, platforms like TikTok and social media and you know Instagram, for example, are really revolutionizing Twitter, even LinkedIn are revolutionizing the way that people engage with um, sustainability and venture capital in general. Um, And the last thing that I'm seeing too is a lot of like crowdfunding platforms too. So for example, Republic or Start Engine are democratizing um, fundraising for underrepresented folks, right? So let's take a black woman who has been knocking at the door of many of the top firms and hasn't gotten an in just because we don't have a cold, a warm intro, excuse me, can now go onto a crowdfunding platform and get her first start, right? And then be able to show. Um, so it's really incredible the amount of change that we're seeing and transfer of capital over the last few years. And that's because people are opening their minds to um, being a little bit more socially conscious. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one of the things, um, you know, you just mentioned it with the communication aspect and how bridging between communities in a, you know, and civility is very important as well. But when you talked about, um, when we spoke earlier, you said something that I absolutely loved, which was sports, music, science, and Wall Street all need to communicate. Yes. That's, most people don't think about all of those. They think, well, okay, Wall Street and maybe science, sure, but sports and music, all yeah. of these need to fit together. So um, explain, you know, I loved how you said that. I loved, I love that you brought that together. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, I'm coming from the the viewpoint always of investing and having capital and then being able to allocate that capital to people that are building really great solutions. And so uh, the, the rooms that I get most excited about are those in which we can share ideas from different perspectives. If we have a sustainability investor and then we have a, and, and then we have an athlete and then we have, I don't know, um, somebody that has built up their own company and now has money to be able to invest, we're all going to say, hey, I actually saw this really cool new sportswear um, sustainability company. Or, hey, I actually saw this new CPG um, deal that came from the folks that I know in my my entrepreneur network, right? So it's really just being able to think about, okay, how do we envision new avenues for investing if and new avenues for revolutionizing the ways that clim- that the climate justice conversation is happening now. Um, if we don't bridge uh, to other conversations or to other communities, exam- uh, excuse me. So for example, I'll give you an example. When I was at Lacey, um, uh, what we would do is bring um, every other Friday, I think it was, it was Lacey Investor Talks. And 
it was basically just let's come together as founders and investors and we would bring or as found, let's bring the founders together and then let's bring one investor well of course everybody started naming the top sustainability um um firms and so we brought those right and those were great um but of course the firms that we have are only going to be able to invest in one of a hundred of companies right so we always have to bring new well at some point we started thinking about what if we bring investors that are um, sustainability minded or clean tech minded, but also have um, other interests, right? And so we got a bunch of folks that would have we would have just never thought of, Perfect. you know, including um, some MBA athletes, like including oh, some wow. well known entrepreneurs, you know, just like other people that are in this conversation to just be like, hey, even though I'm not an absolute expert into clean tech, I still believe that climate change is something that I should fight against. And so let's bring people into the conversation, right? And I think that if you get a taste of, 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 um, of that, then you're able to really deepen your conversation within environmental social justice, within sustainability, and within investing in general, too. Oh, I, I mean, that, that's a lot of information because everything you said is so important. I'm trying to, like, piece it together because bringing everybody together is important. And you know, when you and I spoke, the disadvantaged communities do suffer the most from yeah. what um, is happening in the boardrooms or it's happening in corporations. And the fact that you're able to bring in investors and invest in impact investing, people of color, people who are doing something differently. Because as Joel said, if you're bringing the same people to the table over and over and over again, you're not gonna have anything different. And if we are not ready for something absolutely different right now, actually yesterday, I mean, now is the time. I mean, I'm repeating myself, but I cannot stress enough. We need change absolutely positively right now. And yeah. what you guys are doing is nailing it on the head because you were, I mean, as Joel, Joel says this a lot, have you ever seen in the other interviews, follow the money. He's always like, follow where the funding is, follow the money. Once corporations, yes, you do. Yeah, no, I said 100%. Um, oh. <laughs> actually, uh, a question that I've got for you. So we live in, I'm gonna put this nicely, a very polarized world. We yeah. are either yay or nay on pretty much every single thing that's out there. I'm yeah. not going to go too far into this. How do you find this impacts what you're doing when you're trying to work for diversity and environmental issues? And system? I mean, I would imagine that you hit a lot of just, I, I'll leave it at that. Like, how do you deal with some of the pushback that you get? Yeah, oh, that's such a good question. When I, so include ventures, I was sharing with y'all is both a fund of funds and a direct investment vehicle. Most of the conversation I've actually been talking about kind of direct investments companies. Um, and a lot of my role is also investing in fund managers, people that believe that the entire capital allocation system can be changed, right? And so we deal with black fund managers, brown fund managers, and really think about, hey, I have this experience in investing how can I build a 20 million, $30 million fund? Um, and what's happening right now is because the market is where it's going, you know, it's a little bit, people are a little bit more reserved around where they want to put in their assets just because of how it's changing. And so of course, what gets cut the first, you know, at, when I'm, when anything happens in the market, whatever, um, whatever comes of that change is, kind of uncertainty around you know the new and novel and so what we saw was in 2020 there was because of the murder of george floyd 
um, and the Black Lives Matter movement, we saw you know huge movement of unprecedented amounts of um, capital actually going into um, Black-led funding, Black-led companies, brown-led companies, also fund managers coming everywhere, coming out of, you know, a lot of places and saying, hey, I'm actually going to start my fund. I've been with this institutional investment firm for 20 years. I'm going to go start my own fund. And we saw a lot of excitement around that. What's happening now is we're seeing time and time again that people that were excited about, you know, maybe venturing out into supporting Black and brown folks in the capital allocation system now saying, you know what, I'm going to go back to more traditional, more reserved way of investing, even though, again, the numbers are there, but it's just, you know, what happens when it gets uncertain. Um, It's the same thing. It's just, it's really thinking about what has been in the past recognized, recognized as institutional. And so if you don't give somebody an opportunity to show themselves, then there's going to be no opportunities at all. But see, that's very confusing because if the numbers are there to show that your investment mm-hmm. is doing well and it makes sense to kind of keep going with it, why pull out from that? Like, why why go back to something that wasn't doing as well? That I, I mean, right. I'm not, I'm not and a that's, person, but that makes no financial. That that's work. where bias and that's where polarity comes into the into the question, right? It's like a lot of times you know, when you're dealing with a BlackRock or you're dealing with a JP Morgan or you're dealing with a Golden, whatever it is, you'd rather just go into the institutional than say, hey, I'm going to bet on this, on this, you know, up and coming fund manager, whatever it is. So and I, so that's what's tough. So is it kind of like basically if it's not in the headlines, it's not getting invested in? Exactly. That's some BS. Yeah. It is because I, all I think about is a certain person in the Bahamas who did very bad things and is now under house arrest and they lost... <laughs> what was it, $100 billion? I mean, some crazy number. How did that happen? How did people keep throwing money at that? Well, yes. And so, like, the thing is, is, like, people are going to move wherever they're being led. Let's think about the Silicon Valley Bank collapse recently, right? And this all has to do, this all has to do, again, with inclusion. Because Silicon Valley Bank was a bank that, that had historically demonstrated insane support for the underrepresented, the underserved. A lot of times when we had um, communications and community gatherings as, you know, under like black and brown founders, for example, they would always come to come to play and, and, and support um, financially these, these events. What happened is that a group of 10 or so billionaires said, hey, one day, because, you know, there was uncertainty around the sale of their stock, said, hey, let's all move out. And so everybody from that boys club all came together and said, let's move our capital out and cause the largest bank run in history. And so what happens now is, you know, at the end of the day, you find yourself in a situation where you're, you're led by what this, whatever your network is telling you. And so if your network is telling you, Hey, it's uncertain to invest in black and brown or underrepresented, let's just call it underrepresented folks right now then you won't do it. And so, and the other thing is, even though there are people that are investing, they're in, investing in the same funds. All of the 150 or so folks that are raising their own funds are going to the same people, the same foundations, the same philanthropic organizations. And so only a few are gonna make it. And so that's tough, right? So your point about polarity and polarizing um, 
a polarizing world, it's it's really tough right now to be a, a underrepresented person in venture capital, both on the founder side and the fund manager side. Now, when it comes to the bank collapse up in Silicon Valley, that was more than just like 10 or 12 people pulling out. Like there was other issues. Oh, it's like, I mean, it's like millions, it's like millions and there's just so much going else. Going oh, I, know. On, I just I want think... to clarify for anybody that we're, we're yeah. not saying that that's what caused the whole thing. There were other <laughs> issues within the bank as well. Uh, yes. Because, you know, there were some people that were reporting. It's like, oh, they were too busy being woke to focus on the bank. And it's like, no. Oh, of course they want to blame. At that point, everybody yeah. wants to blame it on on being woke, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's what's and 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 that's the thing is like when you think about the the power of the firms that have ten plus billion dollars in assets to be able to move all of their capital out, it's insane because then it you know yeah. obviously very much affects um, people that don't have as much capital. Yeah, that that's an interesting. I just learned something from what you just said. I didn't realize there were, you know, a small group of people that pulled out at once because I didn't really follow it very closely. What happened? I was like, oh, that's not good. It collapsed. <laughs> I mean, it collapsed. And I, you know, I remember in 2008 when we had banks collapse. And now my understanding is that there was also some other issues that were happening at the bank more than which led people to look at. Yeah, people, yeah. yeah. it was a sale of the it was it was a chain reaction of things that happened. I don't know the whole story behind it, but like I said, I just want to clarify: it wasn't like ten people got together and said we're pulling out. It and was said we're all pulling out. Yeah. 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 So there was other things that led up to people having their concerns. But yeah, I mean that was terrifying what happened. And again, that brings us back to the current market where you know you see people looking at that, and then they're hearing that there was the other banks that were starting to get concerns about it as well. And, you exactly. Know, your, your normal yeah. John Q and person on the street is going well, crap, the banks are collapsing again. And it's like, no, because, you know, like you said, we're being led down this pathway of headlines. You know, yeah. so I think that, you know investing is very tricky right now. People are very scared yeah. about their money. Right, yeah, but that's where, right. yeah. I mean, Adriana brought up a couple of times about the need for communication, yep. bridging communities and balance. Those are the three, I mean, my opinion, I and mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not a financial expert, but that just sounds like the, the most important things to really focus on right now. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, I think, you know, in general to really being able to sit and understand that we have gone through this transition, you know, and, and market collapses many times um, and know also that people that we, you know, especially from our, from our standpoint, we are a BIPOC led um, venture capital firm and fund of funds. And it, and we are at the forefront of, um, leading this, you know, leading this ecosystem. A lot of people come to us and say, hey, you know, what are you hearing, et cetera, et cetera. And we also have to remain calm because our, the people that said, you know, like the people that said six months ago, hey, we're going to invest such and such amount are reconsidering, right? And so it's tough too, like at all places in the supply chain, whether it's on the fund of fund side and then it's the fund managers and now it's the, the diverse companies, everybody is still um, needing capital and still reassessing whether that they're gonna raise, whether they're not, should they stop their fundraise? Should they continue and maybe close at a lower amount? And so really the time now is just being able to be patient, um, to be strong and in, in, in the conviction that there is going to be change. And even if it's oh, yeah. incremental to your point uh, earlier, Joel, even if it's incremental being able to say, hey, we're going to we're going to do this. You know, if, if people hadn't started this um, 
I don't know, a couple of generations ago, that the fund of the underrepresented fund of funds movement, then then we wouldn't be here, right? And even if we're able to just close fifty million dollars, a hundred million dollars, when there are funds out here closing billions and billions, um, there's gonna there's gonna be room for change. Um, and so. I think, sorry, I mean, it seems like one of the key points to take away here is that like, no, when you're looking at funding or you're looking at anything that has to do with the market, people have to remember, these are cyclical markets. Like, exactly. we never stay in one trajectory, either up, down, or even. It always just, it's a, it's, you get, I hate saying ride the wave, but honestly, that's what it is. You're going to have crests and you're going to have, you're going to have peaks and valleys. Yeah. That's historical facts, you know. Um, yeah. They're not alternative facts, they're actual facts. <laughs> they come down and they go back up like that's it's just the truth and i think people lose yeah. sight of that because they start riding on these highs of money 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 then all of a sudden they'll lose 10 bucks and be like oh crap what just happened well exactly that's what they do yeah Absolutely. yeah and i mean in the same way that like you know the frontline communities in climate change are those that are um that are you know the most low income it's the same when there's financial crashes so we also have to think about the people that are uh, in, impacted and it's going to be the most underrepresented and so really thinking about ways to support even if you don't have you know this might lead us to a call to action but even if you don't have money to invest which there always is you know even if you want to invest a little bit please feel free to, to do so through crowdfunding and other other platforms um but you know, make that connection. If there's a founder out there that wants to be able to access somebody in your network, make that connection because you don't know what that's going to lead to. Or if there's an investor that's interested, sorry. Absolutely. To me, that is like super important for people to remember when it comes to finances. You don't have to have millions and millions of dollars to. No. And I think this is something which we've talked about before, which is we have such financial illiteracy in this country about like oh, how. Yeah works you can start with 50 to 100 bucks it's a start and i think that's the part that people forget about or they don't realize is you have to start yeah from there you can grow it doesn't have to be you know this huge and lump sum of cash do what you can but do yeah. what you think invest in what you believe in do your research talk to the people who can guide you it's intimidating it's very intimidating to get into doing any of this stuff yeah exactly I was just going to say, you also have to keep in mind, whatever you do invest, have it in the back of your head that that could go away. Exactly. You have to be comfortable with the fact that it you yes. could have made a bad pick. I mean, that does happen. And there are some investments, right, that are like very secure, right, that might not make as much money, even just yeah. a high yield savings account. You know, this is where financial literacy comes into play for folks like as both of you were saying. Um, I don't get why we don't have a course in, in schools around this, because this is what we do every day, all day. Yeah. But I also understand this country was not made yeah. for everybody to have wealth, right? This country yeah. was made for only a few to have wealth. And so when we think about how we reimagine that, the, the point of, of what we're trying to do at Include Ventures and what you all are trying to do is educate, is yeah. get knowledge out there and say, hey, how do we reimagine a world where there are there's more clean air and there's also more wealth in in the communities that that need it um so yeah absolutely if if there are um if there's anything that has to change it's the amount of financial literacy in this country well, it's oh, true. i remember in grade school i was taught how to write a check i wasn't taught how to plan to retire yeah, yeah. 
You were talking yeah, about which, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. It is. Or, or you know, you're going to be like, this is going to go to social security. That's your nest egg. Not oh crap, you actually need to build up a savings account and four hundred one k's. Don't even get me started on that. But I mean, oh, it's, yeah. that's a joke in, in my opinion. Um, but it's like, like I said, you're not taught to plan for growing older. You're taught to just live in the moment. Yeah, and also, you know, you're taught an idea of a nine to five is road to liberation or road to freedom. And 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 for folks out there who are considering becoming entrepreneurs, it's not an easy road, but it's a road where you'll find a lot, you know, a lot of support. You'll find probably a lot more um, purpose. And so if you're thinking that, you know, lean into the local incubators like Lacey, lean into podcasts and, and um, education sharing platforms like ESJ. Um, but definitely, you know, it's, it all ties together. And I think that's the point of, of, of these conversations is so beautiful because we all come from different worlds, right? And, and, and all at the same, we're all in the same world. So to be able to share in these conversations, get excited about this and also think about how we can change the world and start now, even if it's, it's over a 30 minute conversation uh, is always so important. Well, that's what I love about. Oh, go ahead, Joel. I'm sorry. I was say I feel like we could have. I mean, we are coming up on our 30 minutes. So I feel like we could just talk to you forever because this is. Been- yeah, we can talk forever. <laughs> we could. I mean, and and I mean, I love. First of all, I love the energy that you bring because you do want to help people. You do want to communicate and educate people. Everyone's equal. Um, but the helping and so how how can people find you? What is the best way for them to find include ventures to find you to work with you? Yeah, for sure. Well, include, we're always looking to connect with fund managers um, and founders that are specifically led by underrepresented folks. But also if you're, you know, um, someone that is serving underrepresented communities, happy to, to talk and um, and think about how we can can work together. Um, so includeventures.com is our website. We also have an intake form there. I'm always looking to see. Um, we have our LinkedIn and our Twitter and our Instagram as well. I'm on all of those platforms. Uh, most uh, likely you'll find me on LinkedIn often and Twitter. Um, Adriana Embis uh, is my name. And yes. I love it. And yeah, um, and folks, when I post this on LinkedIn, I will tag Adriana so you can find her. Yes, please. The work you're doing is phenomenal. And um, I could not support this more. Seriously. We need a thousand of you in this world. We need a thousand of you on Wall Street changing the way the status quo is because it's not working out so great. (laughs) Um, I know it's we need some help. We need a lot of revolutionaries out there to reimagine it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, reimagining. I like that. That's a perfect word. It needs to be reimagined. That's that's what you're doing. So I'll close on that because I could, again, I could just go down this rabbit hole of asking you questions. And I know your time is limited. I know you're super busy because um, you are you're doing a lot of good and you're doing a lot of work. So on that's that, guys. Oh, thank you. Um, we love what we do. Um, so on that, folks, I'm Wendy Nystrom, your host with Environmental Social Justice with my co-host, Joel Vendette. And Adriana Emmis, thank you so much. Include Ventures. Please check them out. They're doing great work. We'll check you guys later. Bye.